0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, 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 your attention attention please. 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 Now batting batting. for Fantasy Sports Sports Radio Radio Network, Network. Fan Rock Fantasy Fantasy Baseball, Baseball. the host, 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 and Melchior, Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. (laughs)
0: everyone fan rag Fantasy baseball i'm al melchior your host for this hour and with me today uh somebody who's gonna kind of just hang out at the uh, fancy sports network radio because uh, he's gonna be back on at 8 p.m tonight for the uh debut of the tout wars hour with laura michaels i am talking about justin mason uh who's here with us also from rotographs and friends with fancy benefits justin welcome to the show Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I know. It's great to have you on. And I'm returning the favor because you had me on the uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast recently and uh, had a great time with with you and and your group there. So uh, glad to have you on as well. And we've got uh, lots of pitcher injury news, lots of news in general, but uh, lots to discuss. We're going to get to this a little bit later on. I talk about uh, the latest with Noah Syndergaard, Cole Hamels, Corey Kluber, uh, Marcus Stroman coming out of a start early, so uh, lots of not-so-great news for pitchers. But, um, uh, just I want to start off with uh, something, actually, that you wrote about recently for Fangraphs, uh, or rot- Rotographs specifically. Uh, Kyle Schwarber making an appearance at Catcher. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, very down on Schwarber based on the start of the season that he's had. Do you think Schwarber is is droppable in any format at this point? Do you think that the catcher eligibility alone is enough reason to to give him a chance in any format? Where where are you standing these days with Schwarber?
1: Well, it really depends on league format because, I mean, his. His value really is dependent on whether you're playing an average league, an OBP league, because he walks so much. I mean, he's, he's walking over 13% of the time this year, even though he's struggling at the dish. So he gets a huge bump uh, in your OBP formats. And it also depends on how quickly your league allows people to get in-season eligibility, because we're a month into the season, he's got one start at catcher. So if you're a league that needs 10 starts, you may be waiting till halfway through next year to get to that point. Um, So, I mean, at least least on pace. I mean, I'm sure he'll probably pick up more starts here and there as they feel more comfortable. I wasn't a big Schwarber guy coming into the year, so I'm okay with you dropping him if your league requires 10 starts or more at a position. Uh, I, I was of the belief that, He was vastly overrated coming into the season uh, because of what we saw uh, in 2015 and then in the playoff run last year. I'm I'm not convinced that he is good enough defensively where he's going to ever be able to put up a full season's worth of stats in the National League. And that is a big problem for me because if he's going to get benched halfway through a game because of defense, he's going to lose plate appearances and plate appearances is currency.
0: Yeah, I know that's a really good point, and yeah, I think that was a, a lot of what factored into uh, you know people arguing that you know Schwarber you know, should should be uh, started in uh, you know a lot of leagues, uh, you know even very shallow ones, and even without catcher, uh catcher eligibility. So uh, you know that's, uh, it's a big kind of uh, turn in the tide really in terms of Schwarber's value just in in really a month's time. Uh, I guess you could say the same thing going in the opposite direction for Aaron Judge, uh, you know, leading all of the major leagues in isolated power right now, uh, leading all sorts or, or close to leading all sorts of stat cast categories. I think we all expect some regression from Judge, even if it's just based on the unknown of not having seen him in the major leagues for very long. But to what degree would you expect Aaron Judge to regress, and and where does that leave his value looking ahead to rest of season?
1: You know, I'm pretty high on Judge, and I know there are a lot of people out there that are are really, you know, saying this is the time to sell him, this is the time to sell him. I don't feel like the temperature, uh, I think think the temperature is getting hotter in terms of his actual trade value with the fantasy leagues, but I think a lot of people are expecting him to regress quite a bit. And I don't necessarily say, yes, he's going to have holes in his swings. He's a big dude, and pitchers are at some point going to attack that and find the holes and go after it. But he's also a really smart, mature young hitter who walks a ton, plays great defense. He's like the anti-Schwarber in terms of his defense. Even though he's huge and a big guy, people would expect him to maybe not be so mobile in the outfield. But he does a really good job. So even if he struggles, the Yankees are going to give him time to figure it out because he's not a negative defensively. And so, yeah, is he going to struggle? Sure, but I don't think he's going to struggle to the point where he's still not going to hit home runs.
0: Yeah, no, uh, you know, I think that's the one thing you can, uh, you know, almost certainly count on from Aaron Judge. So uh, that's a good point. So, well, we got to go to our first break, Justin. But when we come back, we will talk about all those pitcher injuries I hinted at. And uh, also, I want to ask you a few questions about the Giants, because I know you're right there in the Bay Area. So stick around, everybody. Got a lot of good stuff coming up. Welcome back, everyone, to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me today from, uh, well, from a lots of places, actually, from Fantasy Benefits, from uh, Rotographs, and right here on uh, Fantasy Sports Network Radio, Justin Mason. And Justin, so this is your uh, debut show tonight with Laura Michaels?
1: It is. I'm uh, really excited. It should be a really interesting dynamic between me and Laura. Uh, Laura's a great dude and has done a lot for me in the industry, so uh, I'm, I'm super happy to be doing it.
0: Yeah, Laura's a great dude. I've known him a long time and uh, very excited for your show. Uh, 8 to 10 Eastern tonight, so even though it's the uh, Tout Wars hour, it's really, you get a bonus. Is that every every week will be uh, two hours?
1: I believe so. I think when they originally uh, came up with the idea to do the show, it was going to be an hour. Uh, but Laura's done such a good job, like filling with like top-notch guests, that they're they're going to extend it for two hours. So I need to come up with funnier things to say because it's going to last a longer <laughs> period of time. So I can't recycle the same jokes every week. Uh, well, uh,
0: look, looking forward to the program. So, uh, well, uh, we'll uh, get to uh, some news and, like I said, some Giants analysis in just a moment. But the first segment, we had talked about Kyle Schwarber. Uh, now, game is underway in Chicago, but uh, Schwarber not in the starting lineup for the Cubs today. Uh, so you've got uh, an outfield of John Jay, Albert Almora, and Matt Caesar for the Cubs today. And uh, we've got the Rockies and Padres lineups. Other than that, we don't have anything from the night games. But for the Rockies, no Trevor Story. you got Alexi Amarista getting the start at shortstop today for the Rockies. So, um, uh, Justin, we, uh, like, like I said uh, earlier on, uh, had some questions for you about the Giants, because I know you you observe them uh, very closely. Johnny Cueto, uh, we had the revelation uh, just a couple of days ago that he's been dealing with a blister. I'm not sure whether or not to be encouraged or not, because he just hasn't quite been at the same level so far this year and at least we have a plausible explanation for it. So how how do you read this with Cueto?
1: You know, I'm I, I was really big on Quato coming into the year and the the longer the season kind of progresses and the more I get to take a look at the Giants well, more concerned I become. I'm not as worried about the injury per se, though. I mean, maybe like you said, maybe this is one of the reasons why he struggled early on. Um, for me, I'm more worried about his long term value for this season because I think the Giants are going to be really bad uh, this year. You know, as we've seen so far, and I think they're going to have to sell. and Cueto is going to be their top trade chip on the market because he has an opt-out clause at the end of this year, which he's already said publicly that he's going to take. Um, And so for me, there's no situation, at least park-wise, that's as nice as San Francisco. And so I'm afraid he's going to get traded to an American League team. Uh, I I think he'll be fine in the short term, the blister issue. Though, I mean – Maybe Major League Baseball needs to go back to the old balls they used to use because it seems like these new balls uh, are are causing issues with guys uh, like Aaron Sanchez. I mean, Rich Hill is Rich Hill, but um, a lot of guys who've never had blister or fingernail issues having him with these new balls. So, uh, And you're not seeing these injuries in the minor leagues where they didn't switch over to the new balls. So I'm wondering if... You know, maybe Major League Baseball needs to do something about it. I'm not worried about Cueto short-term. I think he'll be fine, but I am worried towards the end of the year, if you're relying on him, especially in like a head-to-head format where there's playoffs, whether or not he's going to carry the same value going forward.
0: Yeah, uh, well, that's, yeah, you know, a couple of angles there that uh, I hadn't really heard much about, and and particularly with the, you know, the new ball, uh, you know, that's interesting that we haven't seen a parallel Uh, trend in in the minor leagues Uh, now going further down the the Giants rotation I've gotten a little excited about Matt Kane and how he's performed so far and I and I have to admit I kind of fell for him a bit last year I think it was in May when he rattled off a few sort of vintage quality starts Uh, am I making too much of a couple of small samples here with Kane, or do you think that he potentially is back to something close to prime form
1: I mean, it depends on what you consider prime form. Is he ever going to be the guy that uh, you know was a, a Cy Young contender um, and helping the Giants get to uh, you know playoff runs and a, a World Series championship and and all that? No, he's he's never going to be that guy again. Uh, could it be something usable at home, especially considering uh, the the big ballpark? Sure, I think he can if he's healthy. I think there uh, there's something to look at. The one thing you want to re- you know remember though too is he's pitched either at home or in really nice parks in San Diego and Kansas City. So those are parks that kind of hold back you know or hide some of the warts. Uh, he hasn't looked great. I think he's gotten away with some mistakes, but he's looked competent, which is something he hasn't looked, uh, for a little while. You know, the velocity is still nothing. And so he's relying a lot on the secondary pitches, uh, which scares me because I think at some point that's going to fall apart a little bit. So, uh, I, I think you ride him right it while it's hot and, you know, while he's pitching in San Francisco, but there are going to be some bad starts, uh, coming soon, especially when he goes on the road to places like Colorado and Arizona that you don't want to have anything to do with.
0: Well, I believe his next start is at Cincinnati. They they have the Reds this weekend. Am I recalling the schedule?
1: I believe they're at home, though, for Cincinnati.
0: Okay. Uh, well, if that, that's – because I, I remember I got him in Tout Wars, and, and when you pick somebody up in Fab, you have to start them that week. And I thought, well, I'll just – I'll just ride this one out uh but not feeling uh you know too confident uh but uh, i'll uh, I'm, I'm pretty guys. sure they're
1: at home I'm pretty sure they're at home in San Francisco so I think that's not a bad you know he's not a bad oh. streamer um and if you play DFS his price hasn't been very high so it's it's worth a gamble and like a GPP kind of uh DFS tourney um, or a streamer, you know, in, in regular formats for this week. But I wouldn't expect him to be a guy you can counter for the long haul, especially because he hasn't pitched a ton of innings in a long time.
0: Yeah, well, fortunately for me and for, for Matt Cain, that is in Cincinnati this weekend. Uh, so, mm. uh, that you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not expecting great things for Matt Cain at that start. <laughs> no, that's... Like long- <laughs> long-term uh, it may not be that great either other than like you say in certain spots uh, well Eduardo Nunez I I had him ranked pretty highly uh, coming into the season I, I figured he'd have some power regression and he hasn't disappointed with the stolen bases but really that's all we've really gotten for the most part from Nunez so do you think that he is worth starting in say a 10 or a 12 team mixed league just for the just for the steals
1: I think just for the steals, you could probably get away with it because it's not like his average is abysmal. He doesn't walk. He's never really, he's never really walked except for in the minor league level. So you can't expect his OBP to ever really be great. Uh, so if you're in an OBP format, it takes another little tick down, but you can deal with, you know, a 260 average. It's, you know, it maybe it'll probably come up a little bit because you know he's got a oh, pretty much like a, th- a career 300 BABIP and he's about 25 points below that at the moment. So I would expect maybe a little gain in the batting average. But I think you can deal with the speed because the Giants are letting him run, which is something that has surprised me a little bit. The Giants haven't always been the uh, the most you know the team, the kind of team that likes to push it on the base pass for the most part, and they're doing it. Um, I like him long term because, like I said before, with Cueto, the Giants are not going to be good, and they're going to look to sell pieces. And Nunez, I believe, is a free agent at the end of this year, uh, and they will probably look to move him. Uh, and there isn't, you know, I mean, pretty much every park in the Major League Baseball would be an upgrade. So if he could get on top of a better lineup uh, and get, you know, get some more help in the counting categories, and maybe actually get something out of the park because he's not playing in such a cavernous stadium. I think that's only a benefit to his value. So, uh, Edward uh, or Eduardo Nunez is a guy I'm looking to buy right now.
0: Uh, so that's an interesting, interesting perspective. And, uh, you know, you just look back to where he came from uh, to get to the Giants, you know, playing a target field for the Twins, putting up really better numbers there. And that's not, uh, you know, it's not, like you said, it's not among the worst uh, venues. Uh, you know, it's on the level of an ATT park for hitters, but it, it's, you know, good enough for Nunez to to have put up better numbers. So that's, you know, I think there's a reason for optimism there. Uh, Is there a reason for optimism in terms of the pitchers that we talked about at the top of the show, Cole Hamels, uh, Corey Kluber, Noah Syndergaard, um, Syndergaard getting a second opinion on his torn lat. uh, The reports generally have him out for at least three months. Cole Hamill's uh, likely to miss about uh, eight weeks, maybe more, with an oblique strain. Kluber should be a shorter uh, DL stint for him with the tight back. But uh, do you think that uh, you know, Hamill's and Syndergaard, in particular, uh, you know, will, will have something something to offer when they come back?
1: Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really hard question. I'm really worried about Syndergaard. Because, I mean, aside from this torn lad issue, he's had elbow issues in the past. And so, I mean, the more something gets injured, you know, the more a player gets injured, the more likely they are to get injured again. Um, and I'm just worried that this is the start of a really bad run for Noah Syndergaard. Uh, there's nothing you can really do in terms of fantasy. You're not going to uh, drop him in virtually any format. Um, though, I mean, I guess if you're really struggling in a 10-team league and you, you need to keep pace you can if you if you don't have the roster spots but uh, i am really worried about Syndergaard. i'm i'm worried about hamels too because hamels is a guy that uh has struggled with injuries earlier in his career and uh he could again well justin sorry
0: to cut this short i know you gotta go uh we gotta head to break so thank you so much for dropping in and good luck tonight with the show thank you all right we'll be right back folks so stick around Thank Justin Mason from uh, Rotographs and from the Tout Wars Hour with uh, Laura Michaels, debuting tonight at 8 Eastern. Thank Justin for dropping in, and I hope you uh, check out his show tonight and also uh, his own podcast, Friends with Fancy Benefits, and his site with the same name, Friends with Fancy Benefits. Uh, but before we move on to some of the news and the standout performances, quick word about the Fancy Sports Radio network app you can now take the world's premier 24 7 fancy sports radio network with you wherever you go download the fancy sports radio app now in the itunes store or on google play and listen for free anytime anywhere you can hear tony sikkata on the treadmill benny riccardi in the car greg sussman on the subway or just relax with the king on the couch or listen to jake Seely while you're jogging they'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go so get the Fancy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. Uh, quick check-in on, uh, on an injury note uh, from the uh, Twins game going on right now. Uh, Twins playing the A's. And uh, Byron Buxton has been removed from the game with an apparent injury. Don't have any other details on that if I get them during the show. I will certainly pass those on. And in terms of the upcoming schedule, uh, looking at the weather, courtesy of Roto Grinders and Kevin Roth, uh, always a a great resource uh, for owners playing in uh, any sort of daily format. And uh, the one to really watch is uh, tonight's game in Atlanta, the Mets and the Braves. There's an 89% chance of precipitation at game time. And it looks like that uh, precipitation chance is going to hold pretty heavy for uh, well into the the game time there. So that is one to watch. Uh, Also, a little bit of a precip chance in St. Louis for the Brewers and the Cardinals. So uh, keep an eye on that if you're looking to start any players from those games. So uh, back to the news. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get to spend enough time with Justin Mason talking about all the pitcher injuries. But uh, like him, I am very concerned about Noah Syndergaard. Looks like he's going to be out for at least three months. He's got the torn lat. As Justin mentioned, he's also had elbow issues. He is going for a second opinion. Uh, so that's uh, one to keep an eye on. Cole Hamels went on the DL with an oblique strain. He's uh, looking to be out at least eight weeks so uh, would look forward to him maybe being back in, in July sometime. And Corey Kluber might only miss one start with his 10-day DL stint. Uh, he's got a tight lower back. Um, but, uh, you know, again, no guarantees on that one as well. Sean Doolittle went on the disabled list with a left shoulder strain. And this one probably will keep him shelved for quite a while. Uh, I saw one report that estimated he could be out for about two months. So uh, that probably gives a little bit more breathing room to uh, Santiago Casilla to pick up the saves in Oakland. Uh, But uh, Doolittle should be out for quite a while. As mentioned earlier, Marcus Stroman left uh, Tuesday's start against the Indians early. Uh, Stroman termed his uh, issue general arm tightness, and he doesn't think that he needs to have the arm examined. So that would seem to be minor, but... uh, Again, nothing definitive there with Stroman. Aaron Nola has gone back to Philadelphia to get an MRI on his back. Uh, this was supposed to be a short uh, DL stint for Nola. And then uh, as of a couple of days ago, the Phillies were saying that they were tentative in terms of their uh, estimated return date for Nola. So him going for an MRI does not seem like a step in the right direction for him. But uh, again, nothing there yet until we have MRI results. Ian Kinsler day to day with a tight left hamstring. Marco Hernandez just earlier today went on the 10-day DL. He's got a left shoulder string strain. Excuse me. Uh, the Rangers are expecting Adrian Beltre to be back sometime in late May. So if you're a Beltre owner, that's uh, mildly good news. There, it would be nice to have him back sooner, but at least there's we've got a, a, a target date. And I have been getting uh, some questions on Twitter about uh, Beltran, whether or not he's droppable. I would say he is not. Not even in a shallow league. Uh, Stephen Wright may have to have surgery on his left knee, and if he does, that would likely be a season-ending surgery for him. And Logan Forsythe is eligible to come off the DL on a Friday, but he will not be ready uh, for then. So his stay will be extended. He went on with a toe injury, but he's also just developed a hamstring issue. So uh, he left a rehab game early on Tuesday, and with that setback, we cannot expect uh, Logan Forsyth to be back on Friday when he's eligible. All right, well, let's uh, take a look at some of the standout performances from Wednesday's games. Uh, There were quite a few of them, and uh, really the one that's generating a lot of buzz is Aaron Judge, not necessarily just this game, but just what this is creating in terms of a total body of work this season, judge went three for five against the blue Jays and hit his 13th home run of the season. So that's 13 home runs in just 26 games. And he's actually the youngest player in major league history to uh, hit 13 home runs in 26 games. Uh, So I asked our guest, Justin Mason about what he thought about judge and uh, he sounded pretty optimistic And, and I would have to agree. And, I'm pretty sure I've said this before on this program, but what's going on with Judge to me is very reminiscent of what happened two years ago with Greg Bird when he got called up and last season with Gary Sanchez, that these were players that were very well thought of by by scouts, who had very highly ranked, highly touted as prospects, uh, but didn't always put up the numbers that seemed commensurate with the amount of hype that they were getting. But I, I think that the ballpark's, in Trenton and in Scranton don't really do much justice to power hitters. And then we see this when, uh, you know, each of these three, uh, Bird uh, and Sanchez and Judge, you know, they get to get to Yankee Stadium and they surpass all of our expectations. Now, in the case of Bird, of course, you know, terrible month of April. And, and, you know, turns out he was playing hurt the entire time. And now he's on the DL. Uh, Gary Sanchez last year. You, you know everybody remembers all the power and, and the great production but it was it was a very uneven couple of months for Gary Sanchez. I mean he would go on these ridiculous power binges and then you know for a couple of weeks at a shot, not really all that productive but in the in the final analysis he's the numbers were still that of an elite catcher and I think that we could expect the same sort of thing from Aaron judge. Of course he's going to regress. You know, of course, he's he's going to lose some batting average points. He's not going to hit, uh, try to do some quick math here. You know, I guess about 80 home runs would be roughly his pace. Uh, so obviously that's that's not happening for Aaron Judge. But, you know, when the, the smoke clears and the regression happens, where where does he land? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's still a very good place. And I think Judge, I'm not sure that he's going to be must start in three outfielder leagues, but I'm absolutely convinced he'll be must start in standard mix five outfielder leagues. And, you know, when I, I don't mean that as, as any kind of slight to say that I'm not completely sure judge will be viable in, in three outfielder leagues. Um, Cause I think the fact that actually I think there's a possibility that he, he will be viable. You know, that's, those are pretty shallow formats and that that's a, an elite level of production in outfield. And, and I have some certainty that judge will be able to, to, to keep that up. But uh, it's a long season, and uh, you know whether or not he'll actually get to 40 home runs, which would obviously be a big, uh, you know, a big curtailment of of his home run pace. I'm not sure about that, but you know, I think for me that's a pretty good over under is 40, and that's obviously, I think, a lot more than most people were expecting from Aaron Judge. Michael Conforto over uh, on the other side of town. Went three for six. Actually, well, this game was in Atlanta, but you know what I mean. Uh, he had two doubles out of those three hits, and Conforto is now batting three fifty seven. And as a judge, I don't expect the batting average to last with Conforto, but I think you know when he finds his landing spot, he'll be a you know two eighty hitter, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And uh, you know maybe a chance for thirty or so home runs uh, from Conforto. So. Uh, really like what he's doing now. He's getting the playing time. Lucas Duda is not really uh, does not appear to be close to returning. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Duda in a second. And of course, Espada is uh, not close to returning. So uh, I think the playing time will continue to be there for Conforto, and I think he and Judge both right now need to be starting in three outfielder leagues again. Whether or not that's the the landing spot for both of them long term, I think it's it's sort of a borderline case, but they're, uh, you know, certainly if not arriving as uh, elite outfielders, they're, they're right there. You know, they're, they're just right on the cusp of that. Also for the Mets yesterday, a nice game from TJ Rivera. He went three for five and also two doubles for him uh, at the Braves. And he is now batting 278, which to me actually does seem like uh, an appropriate expectation for what TJ Rivera could hit. Now, I don't think that he'll stay in the lineup. He's been playing first base. I don't think he'll stay in the lineup whenever Lucas Duda returns. But he has yet to get back to the lineup in his first rehab game in the Florida State League. He had a twinge in his elbow. And, of course, that's what got him down there uh, uh, on a rehab assignment in the first place. Got him on the DL, was a hyperextended elbow. And so he's been dealing with that. There was some talk initially when he had the setback that he could be back as soon as Tuesday. Well, here we are Thursday and Duda has still not returned. So I think Rivera in deeper leagues could have some usefulness next week in week six. In fact, I did pick him up last night in a very deep uh, points league. And that's actually not a bad format for Rivera because he doesn't strike out much at all and uh, has a line drive approach that I think could produce, produce some doubles. So beyond next week, I don't know what sort of playing time there'll be for Rivera, but I, you know, it's hard to see Duda, given that he hasn't appeared back in a rehab game yet, it's hard to see him getting back that soon. I mean, maybe late next week, I would think, but I don't know. I'm just you know, just making conjecture here on Duda, but uh, not a good sign, I would say, that we haven't had an update on him in a few days. Andrew McCutcheon, not really uh, his uh, best performance. He went one for five at the Reds, uh, but he did it his fifth home run. But, uh, you know, another uh, performance that brought down his batting average, it's now down to 235. Um, And yet, I I have to say, I'm pretty encouraged by McCutcheon because the power is there. Uh, It's just the batting average is low. He's got a 14% line drive rate. So, um, you know, there's... uh, not much really uh i think to worry about there with mccutcheon well we got to had to break but uh we'll talk a little bit more about mccutcheon and some of the other stand-up performers right when we come back Got uh, plenty more standout performances to go through, but unfortunately, we also have several injury news uh, items to get to. Uh, and I had mentioned at the top of the last segment that By- Byron Buxton left uh, today's game early, and, and uh, he has passed uh, his initial concussion test. So, uh, some some at least tentative good news there for Byron Buxton. Uh, also, Bryce Harper has left. Today's game uh, early. Uh, The Nationals right now uh, at home against the Diamondbacks. And so um, Harper has left that game. Uh, Again, if I get word on the specifics there, I'll pass those along. And Ian Kennedy uh, out of today's game uh, as well. And that's uh, at home against the White Sox. So he's exited there. So uh, a little bit of news on Buxton. No specifics yet on Harper and Kennedy, but. We'll let you know if I hear anything additional on those. Um, Now, before we move uh, on with some of the other uh, actually on the field performances to talk about, uh, just a quick word about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season, in- in- excuse me, fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a Wizard of the or Wire or learn to scan the numbers like a roto scientist they will help you set the ideal lineups every week and this season you'll also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by insideinjuries.com so get the rotoexperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings enter the promo code free radio free radio at the checkout to get a special discount So right before the last break, I had mentioned that uh, Andrew McCutcheon, he had hit his fifth home run last night uh, at Cincinnati, but a one for five game that lowered his batting average to 235. And I just wanted to reiterate the point because I had to make it sort of quickly before the break that, you know, the five home runs in roughly a month's time, that's, you would take that from McCutcheon, right? 30, 30, home run season, but the 235 average certainly puts a damper on his appeal, but not hitting a lot of line drives and, uh I, I know I say this pretty frequently but it, it bears repeating anytime it's it's relevant and in, in McCutcheon's case it's definitely relevant. That 40% line drive rate when you see a line drive rate that's over a small sample like a month's time and it's out of line with a player's more extended track record you don't necessarily have to be worried about it. Now I I don't not say I mean a, a low line drive rate can actually be it can be a bad sign obviously. But when you look at it in concert with other indicators, you know you might find that it's just one of those uh, kind of fluky things. And in McCutcheon's case, the power indicators all look pretty good for him, so. You know, it's not a case of somebody who's not making contact, not making hard contact, just not hitting a lot of line drives. And that's something that could change, you know, pretty quickly. So I, I like McCutcheon right now as a buy low target because if people are worried about that batting average, I think it's going to rebound. And, you know, the thing that you can really rely on, which are the power numbers, those look really, really solid for McCutcheon. Also, putting up some really nice power numbers is Marvin Gonzalez. That's uh, not necessarily the name that you would have expected to hear right there, but Marwin Gonzalez, uh, another home run last night. That's his eighth of the season, and that comes on the heels of a two-home run game the night before uh, against the Rangers. Uh, now, Gonzalez, I'm not exactly sure how to explain the the power surge for him. And this is somebody who doesn't you know doesn't play every day either. I mean, he's playing a lot and he's hot and uh, he's versatile, so he can certainly stay in the lineup when he's hot. But he has been much, much more selective this year. His swing rate on pitches outside the zone is down dramatically. So I think he's just connecting with just a better quality of pitch. The odd part of the puzzle here for Gonzalez, he's got a 57% ground ball rate. So I'm not sure how that chives with all the extra power in a way. It's, it makes it all the more impressive. You know, he's not lofting the ball at much, but when he does, it's it's out of there. So uh, I'm not sure how long-term this bodes for Gonzalez's playing time because Yuli Gurriel has also been hitting well. You figure he's going to get his reps at first base. You know it's a good, good roster all the way around. But um, you know Gonzalez right now, I think AJ Hinch can can take him out of the lineup. Ian Desmond certainly making an impact uh, back from uh, his his month long DL stint. Went three for five yesterday uh, at San Diego with two home runs. Those are his first two home runs of the season. So if there were any concerns about Ian Desmond and the lingering impact of uh, his hand injury, don't worry about it. He's hitting right off the bat. Yonder Alonso, he's hit his sixth home run of the season. That was against the Twins. He went two for four in that game, and that took his average up to 307. So. Alonzo hitting with more power, we saw it in the spring, but this is a case where the spring stats actually were a precursor to something in the regular season, and he's not had to sacrifice batting average as a result of it. So I think Alonzo, you know, in this short time, deserves some consideration in twelve-team mixed leagues, especially roto leagues, uh, as a corner infielder, and that's you know that's you know, that's generally a pretty stacked. Uh, Position, You know, both positions, first base, third base, in terms of production, in terms of power. So I think Alonzo's been that good. He's been good enough that he actually deserves some consideration in those formats. Kenny Vargas, uh, who may not have position eligibility in some formats, uh, but if he does, it's likely at first base. He had a, a nice game as well. This against the A's, he went two for five, hit his second home run of the season. He's only been up for seven games, so... A very, very nice start, Vargas batting three sixty-four. And out of those seven games, he has started five of them. So this is another situation where there's a bit of a roster crunch. But the person who's really suffered the most in terms of playing time is um, Robbie Grossman, who started just three of the last six games. I'm not sure how this is going to play out, but you know, Vargas, I think he's coming around both as a power hitter and as a source of batting average. And, uh, you know, Grossman has his appeal as well. He can get on base. He has a little bit of power. Um, but I picked up Vargas in uh, my Tot Wars League 15-team mixed uh, with OBP. So I certainly think Vargas needs to be owned in that depth of a league, a 15-team mixed league. I don't know about it. it until we see what goes on with this playing time over a longer period. I think that's probably about the ceiling for Vargas in terms of depth of the league. Cole Calhoun hit another home run. That's now three straight games with a home run. He's got four on the season. He went two for five at the uh, Mariners. Calhoun was off to an ice-cold start. And he's somebody who does strike me as very streaky with power. So um, I certainly won't read anything into it, even though it's three straight games with a home run. I think probably he settles in as roughly a 20-home run hitter. Uh, I would say a year or two ago, I thought Calhoun still had the potential to be a little bit more than that as a power hitter, but um, you know it's been very up and down for him. Ben Gamble with a two-hit game, that same game uh, for the Mariners against the Angels, including a couple of doubles, and his on-base percentage is now up to .355. And that combination of Gamble's ability to get on base and hit those line drive doubles, pretty nice, given that he is batting second right behind Gene Segura, who also had a nice game and is having a nice season, uh, especially if you... Disregard that little DL stint that Segura uh, that had. So Gamble really positioned there to, to produce some runs and possibly be a big help in, in OBP leagues and in points leagues. So not somebody who's very widely owned, not somebody who needs to be owned in standard mixed leagues. But again, 15-team mixed, I think that, that could be a sweet spot for Gamble. Uh, some pitching performances. Robbie Ray... To me, this was the most notable performance of the night, even if it wasn't necessarily the very best one, because he was facing the Nationals. And this this just terrified me. I benched Ray uh, in the one league where I own him and I had some other options that I really, really hated. And I still couldn't bring myself to start Robbie Ray. And I made a mistake because he went six innings, gave up just two runs on four hits and one walk with 10 strikeouts. I mean, it's never really a huge surprise to me when Robbie Ray gets 10 strikeouts or 9 strikeouts or somewhere in that neighborhood, but just the four hits, just the one walk, that was a huge surprise to me. So um, really, really well done by Robbie Ray. Um, Also in that same game on the uh, national side, Jacob Turner came in in the sixth inning and didn't leave the game. He finished out the last four innings didn't give up any runs, only two hits, no walks, and four strikeouts. So that's kind of what I would think of as, as pulling a Devenski, just uh, you know, really shutting down the opposition. And I figured at least in the ninth we'd see Sean Kelly, but as it turns out, Sean Kelly was unavailable because he was sick. So uh Turner went the distance and uh and and did it well. Um Turner was supposed to start this weekend against the Phillies. I doubt that's happening now. In fact, I don't see how that can happen. So I don't know what Turner's role is going forward, but you know maybe the Nationals have found themselves the shutdown long reliever. That seems to be kind of the, the early season fad. And Jeff Samarja, I think, probably was the best starter last night. He went eight innings against the Dodgers, didn't allow a single earned run, although he did allow one unearned run, only three hits, no walks, and 11 strikeouts. And what impresses me here is this was at Dodger Stadium. So for a right-handed pitcher against a lineup with some really good left-handed hitters, uh, in a park that favors left-handed hitters, just an absolute dom- dominant performance. And it's not a you know one-off for Samarja. I mean, he's been getting a lot more strikeouts this year. The slider, uh, he's been throwing it harder, which I wouldn't think would necessarily give him more strikeouts because that would you know lessen the 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 velocity differential between that and his fastball. But with the harder slider he's really been tough to hit and he's gotten a 19%, uh, a ninety percent whiff rate on the slider. So that's really helped some artist. Uh Going for the Dodgers, that game was uh, Julio Urias. He pitched five scoreless innings, but not an overall impressive line. I mean, the five innings you, you figure, cause the Dodgers are concerned about his innings, but, um, Gave up four hits and four walks with only one strikeout. And Uris is really having some control problems. He's throwing only 35% of his pitches in the strike zone over his two starts so far. So that's a little bit concerning, especially when consider- this is somebody who's probably not going to go deep into games, even when he's efficient and when he has control. Charlie Morton had a fantastic start against the Rangers. Six innings, one run on five hits, two walks with eight strikeouts. And the Rangers are really turning into kind of a sneaky... uh a sneaky matchup for a lot of pitchers because they're very versive and not particularly good at making contact. So there's, you know, it's kind of high, high, uh, <laughs> I guess, low floor, high ceiling for the Rangers, and that they can really hurt you. They got a lot of dangerous bats, but they could really uh, help a pitcher with the strikeout count. And that certainly was the case with Morton. And uh, I wrote more about that on my own blog, uh, almelchior.com, today. So if you want to check that out, uh, as long as I'm Promoting things, we talked about uh, Aaron Judge earlier in the show a couple of times. I'll have a piece up on FanRag Sports about Aaron Judge and his value a little later today. Uh, today, if you're listening on this on podcast, is Thursday. Uh, back to the pitchers, though. Nick Karns a nice performance. Six scoreless innings against the White Sox. Just one hit, one walk, uh, and seven strikeouts. And Karnes has been very inconsistent The ERA is just barely south of five, but he's got a 59% ground ball rate. So sort of trending similar to Jason Vargas in that regard, that all of a sudden these two who have been sort of notorious fly ball pitchers getting a lot of ground balls this season. Carnes even more more so than Vargas, actually. Uh, Blake Snell with uh, an interesting outing against the Marlins. Um, And sort of similar to what I was saying about, Charlie Morton. I think the Marlins could be a nice matchup for pitchers. And, and Snell is somebody who's it's tough to know when to start him because he can get strikeouts. He's a fly ball pitcher, but he doesn't necessarily give up a a lot of extra base hits. It's very hard for hitters to pull a fly ball on Snell. Um, but the, you know, he doesn't go deep in the games, and he, he tends to walk a lot of bars. He did walk three Marlins in this game, but he got nine strikeouts. So I want to talk more about Snell because he's a tough one, like I said, start by start, week by week, to uh, figure out uh, how, whether or not to start him. And also Hector Santiago, uh, a nice start that, again, sort of some good and some bad against the Twins. So I'm going to lump those two together, and uh, we're going to have to come up on break here in uh, just a moment. But uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Snell and Santiago and we'll do one more little check in on any uh, injury news that's developing, uh, anything that's going on in the day games. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Back everybody, this is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host Al Melchior. And as your host, I have a uh, couple of uh, injury updates to give you. Actually, three, uh, and I will actually one uh, from Pete Abraham of uh, the Boston Globe. He just tweeted out a minute ago. David Price is throwing a three-inning sim game at Fenway Park, and that uh, he Price is getting closer to going on a rehab assignment. So good news there for David Price and David Price owners like me and maybe like you. Uh, The less good news coming out of Boston, uh, and I mentioned earlier that um, Wright may be uh, having to go uh, for uh, surgery, and that is the case Stephen Wright is going to have knee surgery, and uh, that I would think would mean that uh, he is done for the season. And I also mentioned earlier that Ian Kennedy left his start in the fifth er, uh, inning earlier today. He has been diagnosed with a right medial hamstring strain. That is directly from the Royals' Twitter account, and that Kennedy will be reevaluated tomorrow. So uh, get you caught up there. And uh, let's uh, finish this out here. Again, uh, rounding back to talk about a couple of pitchers who had Nice starts yesterday, but not I mean more maybe more confusing than nice. Blake Snell only lasted five innings against the Marlins. And granted, I mean he rarely goes deep into a game. But he did get nine strikeouts. He had three walks, so control is pretty much of a constant for him. That is control issues. But only two runs in the five innings, six hits and three walks, but nine strikeouts. Uh and the thing with Snell is that. Again, he's got such a strange combination of strengths and weaknesses that he doesn't give up a lot of extra base hits, but he puts a lot of people on base. Uh, you know, he has strikeout potential, although he's really sort of disappointed in that regard prior to this start. But I think I think this was a really ideal match, matchup for Snell. Just, just like Morton against the Rangers, a very aggressive team, Marlins are a pretty aggressive team, too. They have one of the highest swing rates. Uh, particularly on pitches that are not in the zone, so they're not only aggressive; they're not especially selective, and that that allows Snell to really get by with his greatest weakness, which is poor control. So I think the Marlins are a nice, nice matchup for Snell. Um, so I think you know he finally found a sweet spot. And then Hector Santiago also, uh, you know, sort of a mixed bag. Went six innings, allowed three runs. He too walked three batters and only two strikeouts. But uh, you know, for for Santiago overall, the results have been really good, and the, his changeup has really been much more deceptive this year. A lot more movement on it, particularly vertical movement, and getting lots of swings uh, when it's not in the zone. So I've I've been quick to dismiss Santiago, but maybe there is a little something more there with him. So on that note, a somewhat positive note, Director Santiago. Uh, It is time to wrap up here. So thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, We will be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow with Jessica Klein-Schmidt. Stay tuned. Coming up next is the Pat Mayo Hour. And again, tonight is the debut of the Tout Wars Hour at 8 o'clock Eastern. Stick around for that as well. Have a good one. See you tomorrow.